Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. UCLA is resuming in-person instruction today after threats of violence prompted the university to move all classes online. The threats were allegedly made by a former lecturer in the philosophy department. Authorities say Matthew Harris posted an online video that referenced a mass shooting and sent an 800-page manifesto with violent and threatening language to some of his former students. Harris was taken into custody in Boulder, Colorado yesterday. Boulder Police Chief Maris Harold says her officers immediately began an investigation after receiving an alert from UCLA police. Upon reviewing parts of the manifesto, we identified thousands of references to violence, stating things such as killing, death, murder, shootings, bombs, schoolyard massacre, and Boulder. Harris had a troubled past. A UC Irvine professor was granted a restraining order against him after emails were discovered where he threatened to kill her. Court documents show campus police and UCLA's behavioral intervention team were aware of these threats and had reached out to the FBI. Harris was also placed on leave last year after the school found that he sent pornographic and violent content to students. In rural Shasta County, an effort to recall a county supervisor who his critics said was too deferential to Sacramento's COVID-19 restrictions is still too close to call. KQED Politics Editor Scott Schaefer has more. The recall of Republican Supervisor Leonard Modi was spearheaded by a local militia group whose hardball tactics and threatening rhetoric sharply divided the county. As of late last night, the yes vote was winning with 53% to 47% opposed. Less than 400 votes separate the two sides, with hundreds if not thousands of ballots yet to be counted. The recall was backed by Second Amendment supporters in this pro-gun region and other critics who said Modi hasn't fought hard enough against policies coming out of Sacramento. A wealthy out-of-towner who once tangled with the Board of Supervisors funneled hundreds of thousands of dollars into the recall. Modi, who served as Redding's police chief before getting elected in 2008, describes himself as a Reagan Republican. But apparently he wasn't Republican enough for some in this county that gave Donald Trump 65 percent of the vote in 2018. 
2020. If the recall succeeds, Modi's seat will be filled by whichever candidate comes in first among four replacement candidates. That race is also too close to call. The county registrar will issue an update on outstanding ballots tomorrow. For the California Report, I'm Scott Schaefer. The state attorney general's office is reviewing several investigations conducted by the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department, investigations that critics say were politically motivated. County officials have accused Sheriff Alex Villanueva of abusing his power by investigating his critics. Among the inquiries was one into whether Inspector General Max Huntsman and others improperly downloaded confidential personnel records on Villanueva and others. County Council has said Huntsman went through the proper steps to access the records, but Sheriff Villanueva disagrees and even presented the case to the AG's office for possible criminal charges. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. In other news, California's first Surgeon General is resigning. A representative for Dr. Nadine Burke-Harris says she plans to leave office on February 11th. Harris was named Surgeon General in January of 2019. Before that, she was known for working on the role childhood stress and trauma play on the wellness of underserved populations and racism's effect on health. Among her many accomplishments, Harris founded a nationally known clinic in San Francisco's Bayview-Hunters Point, the Center for Youth Wellness. The fallout and anger continue after universal health care legislation was pulled from the state assembly before a vote could happen. In a Zoom meeting hosted by the chair of the Progressive Caucus of the Democratic Party, activists spoke out. They included Danet Abbott-Wicker. She says she's worried about what will happen to those who now have to wait another year for a chance at passing single-payer health care legislation. Do you know how many more people are going to die from this pandemic, not, not, I'm so angry right now, I can't even think straight. So many more people are going to die from chronic disease that can't get in right now because of our broken healthcare system and our, and our broken hospital system. And she's not alone. Other backers of the bill are also furious with the bill's author, Assemblymember Ash Kalra, for pulling the legislation. KQD's health correspondent April Domboski explains. The Nurses Union and the Progressive Caucus of the Democratic Party wanted to force a vote, even though the bill had no chance of passing. They threatened to pull endorsements of politicians who voted against it or challenge their reelection. But Assemblymember Ash Kalra says some lawmakers who are hesitant now may support single payer in the future. And I think that alienating the incumbent members that we need 
next year to make it successful is shooting ourselves in the foot. Uh, I'm willing to take the shots from the nurses and, and folks who are mad at me today so that tomorrow single-payer healthcare can survive. Kalra says he just needs more time. For The California Report, I'm April Domboski. California has been a national leader in the movement to get residents health care coverage. But a recent analysis out of UCLA finds disparities in access to care persist. As KCRW's Tara Atrian reports, women of color rank at the bottom when it comes to employer-based insurance. In adults under the age of 65, only 43% of Latinx women and roughly 55% of Black women have employer-based insurance, far below the rates found in other populations. Those figures came to light when the UCLA Center for Health Policy Research dug into the data from its 2020 California Health Interview Survey. Shana Charles is the study's lead author. She says the lack of coverage means people aren't getting the health care they desperately need. 90% of them reported that their delays in needed care was because they couldn't afford it, that there there was no ability for them to get care that they felt was affordable, including going to the ER. Multiple factors play into the disparities, including the fact that people of color are more likely to work for small employers and roughly a third of those workplaces don't offer health insurance. Charles says the state needs to do more to bridge the gap and expand health insurance eligibility, even if it's incremental changes. For The California Report, I'm Tara Atrion in Los Angeles. A few weeks back, we were telling you about all of the snow and rain that dropped in California thanks to a parade of storms that crossed the state. But in the weeks since, it's been pretty darn dry. And now the state's Department of Water Resources has just released its updated snow and rainfall totals for California. Here to talk about them is KQED climate reporter Ezra David Romero. So what should listeners know about these new numbers? We're at about 92% of average for this time of year across the entire Sierra Nevada. That's significant because about a month ago, on January 1st, we were around 160% of normal, so we've come down a lot. We had a really, really dry January, and it's supposed to be dry for the next couple of weeks as well. Sean de Guzman, he's a manager of the Department of Water Resources, and he, he's in charge of these snow surveys. He was talking about how we're in this like weather whiplash pattern that's made worse by climate change. Here he is. Our climate is experiencing these volatile shifts from wet to dry year after year and even month after month, which make water resources planning and water management so challenging in a changing climate. Just last month, our snowpack was well above average, but with practically no snow accumulation, uh, it's now near average. Uh, That one dry month of January basically wiped out whatever head start we had as we head towards the end of winter. So Ezra, what do these kind of big pendulum swings in precipitation mean? And to overuse what is already a cliche, are they kind of the new normal for the state because of climate change? California already has this like boom and bust cycle in our weather system here. We have really dry times. We have really wet times. That's California. But as the globe warms, this weather whiplash is getting worse. So we're having really, really wet times and then really dry times. And we're sort of having that in real time in this moment. Think of December when we had all that rain, those big atmospheric rivers that flooded parts of the Bay Area. And then all of January was practically dry. No snow, no rain. So we're back into that bust period again. And Ezra, I've talked to some uh, water managers who are concerned that because of climate change, 
we really don't have a water infrastructure that's prepared for it, right? It was kind of built around 20th century climate and weather and not 21st century climate and weather. And I'm wondering if you hear the same thing. I do. I hear it in all the interviews I do. Nusha Ajami, who studies water resiliency at the Lawrence Berkeley National Lab, she's talked to me a lot about that. And she thinks we need a different kind of water system. We need different ways to collect water. We also need to conserve in way bigger ways. Here she is. We do need to reimagine and reinvent our water system. But I would say it's not just a a pure infrastructural change and reimagining. We actually have to reimagine some of the laws and regulations we have that, that impacts our water availability and water situation. And Nusha says, you know, we're hitting these records very quickly, this back and forth. And so unless we do something in the immediate around how we collect water, what our reservoirs look like, then we're going to be in this problematic moment over and over and over again when it comes to water. And just finally, Ezra, a little bit of a weather report here. How does it look in terms of rain and snowfall, say, for the rest of this month, February and into March, from what we know now? Yeah, over the next two weeks, we're not expected to get too much rain at all. Um, And then after that point, it's a little bit hard to tell. There's always the hope for a miracle March like we've had in the past where we get a lot of rain in March, but that's still up in the air. And we are in a La Nina pattern, and that's often a drier place. So the luck is still to be seen for what's going to happen in California this year. And we're still in a drought, and so we'll see what happens. All right. That is KQED climate reporter Ezra David Romero. Ezra, thanks so much for joining us on the California Report. Thanks for having me. So it's clear from our conversation with Ezra that we Californians are facing pretty big challenges when it comes to drought, but some cities are trying to prepare. The California Report spoke with Bloomberg City Lab reporter Laura Bliss about the strides Los Angeles is making to be more water self-sufficient. This is a city that has a storied reputation as as being one that developed uh, based on the water it was able to import from other places, including Northern California and the Colorado River. Now it's got a goal to supply 70% of its water from local sources by 2035. Okay, so how is LA going to do it? Storing as much water as it can, capturing as much um, stormwater and rainwater, and also reclamation, meaning cleaning up wastewater and reusing it, uh, and cleaning up old uh, groundwater sources that are currently polluted. Some water conservation advocates are concerned that a focus on infrastructure might take away from water-saving efforts. But Bliss says Los Angeles is already using substantially less water than a few decades ago. A really severe drought back in the 70s actually started the city on a pretty... A surprising conservation trajectory where the city is using less cap- uh, water per capita than it did in, in 1970, um, despite a population increase of more than a million people. And Bliss says people in the know are optimistic about these efforts. You know, we've interviewed experts who, you know, are, are experts in urban water consumption globally, right, and kind of pointing to the city in this kind of broader region as as a future epicenter of climate adaptation in terms of urban water. Again, that was Bloomberg City Lab reporter Laura Bliss. You can read her reporting on LA's water conservation efforts at Bloomberg.com. 
And that is the California Report for Wednesday, February 2nd. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening and have a good day. Support for the California Report comes from Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, focused on finding exceptional people and helping them do more for others together on the web at schmidtfutures.com. Stanford Medicine, protecting your health and providing defendable care with safe in-person appointments and video visits, stanfordhealthcare.org slash adaptingcare. And the James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at irvine.org. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hi there, I'm Randa Dirfetah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.